welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. And I am Chris Marone. And we are in the middle of dead week. I am going to suggest maybe the best week of the year, that week between Christmas and New Year, when all there is to do is eat Christmas candy, watch football, and make New Year's resolutions. So, Chris, how are you doing on on that front? I don't even know what day it is, Joel. I can't even tell you if the sun's out right now. I am I am locked away somewhere far deep in Arizona, and I don't know what's going on. Do you still have Christmas candy left? Joel, so funny story is that my mother came to town, and to picture Linda Marone, or as we call her, St. Linda, she looks like Mrs. Claus. Okay. Absolutely. She is short. She is round. She's rosy cheeks. She has silvery hair. But she swears... Like a drunken <laughs> sailor on leave. She uses the F-bomb as a comma in sentences. Your mother. My mother. My sweet, dear, loving mother. And you Shout told out to me mom. she is a regular listener to this podcast. And this is what you are saying. Okay. I right. want to make sure I understand. And she, and she knows it. And she knows it. And she owns it. And she loves it. And, and bless her for it. She is absolutely great about her, her swearing. And she's really respectful around our house and doesn't do it as much as she used to. And I, and I love her, but my mom came out for Thanksgiving and we had three full days of baking cookies at Thanksgiving. I'm still eating the cookies from Thanksgiving. I haven't even breached the inner sanctum of Christmas cookies and candies and gifts and breads that people have dropped off. Like I I am, I am just, I can't do it, Joel. I'm going to have to start donating to someone a little less fortunate than me. Chris, I have some bad news for you. You you, you want you ready for it? Hit me. You're getting old. It old happens it to is. the best of us. It, does. it used to be I could go to a buffet and do some serious damage to that buffet. Oh my gosh! And now yes. I go to a buffet and it's like one plate and it's like yeah, I'm kind of full now. Are buffets even a thing anymore? Like in a post-COVID oh. world, do we still have buffets? I ha- I have been to a pizza buffet uh, here oh. in Kansas City where I live. Pizza West has an amazing pizza buffet where they have a cheeseburger pizza. I I love it. Sounds I've so been good. there. I have not gone to a Chinese buffet yet, and so I'm hoping to go back there. And I I've not been back to a Golden Crow. I do love Golden Crows, but oh, nonetheless, I, I remember the day when I could go into a buffet and fill up my plate three or four times. Right. And now I just went to Cheesecake Factory last night. I brought home half of my dinner plate, <laughs> all right? Half my dinner plate, some right. appetizers, of course, and my entire cheesecake. Chris, I am failing in my old age, but oh you gosh. know what, buddy? It's coming to you as well. It really, you know, I I and I'm a big guy, Joel, for for people who don't know, I'm 6 foot 2. I'm around 3 bills. I can put away some food and she's not there anymore, you. man. It's just no. not there. I used to be so proud. I remember way back when I was growing up, a young kid, we would celebrate our birthdays by going mm. to Godfather's Pizza. And, and we would, on our oh. birthday, get an entire large pizza all to ourselves. That's how we rolled back in the day. And I could finish it back then. And now I'd be like a, a piece and a half and I would be and good done. to go. You're yeah. done. I mean, it's so. just, it's just sad. These kids today, man, being able to step up and out eat me at a China. I remember in my prime, man, hometown buffet, we used to go to hometown buffet when we were studying in law school and we'd set up our computers and right next to a hometown buffet, there was like a borders, like old bookstore for those right. who don't know what a borders is. So I would get free Wi-Fi from the borders and I'd be able to study and take my notes. And then I'd be at hometown buffet for like eight or nine hours and just eat nonstop. Now, 
like they one they frown upon that. But now, <laughs> like I, I, I can't. I, I eat one plate and I'm and I'm done and I'm out. It was the like, biggest sir, waste of time on the cruise, man. I had like sir, three or four plates and I was done. Exactly, sir. Back your chair up. You can't actually pull up your chair to the buffet line. We're gonna need you to back <laughs> up. But I want to give a shout out to your mother. If you won't finish her cookies, I will. Oh, for Send sure. them to me. I, I am good to go on Christmas cookies and peanut butter balls. I will tell you though, oh, I tried yesterday for the first time bacon peanut butter brittle. Have you ever had bacon brittle? I have not, sir. And my my interests are sufficiently peaked at this moment. All right. Well, I had a bite of it, and it will be my last bite. I, it sounded oh. good in concept. I love peanut brittle. I love bacon. Why not combine the two? Well, right. yeah, it, it was not a hit for me. So I had that's, one bite. That's I'm what done. I found. Like, a lot of places that do the, uh, like, oh, we'll do the maple bacon donuts. And I'm like, ooh, yes. I love maple. I love bacon. I love donuts. And I get to it, and I'm like, No. It <laughs> did not Just work not. for me. No, not, not, not for me. Right. Uh, yeah. Keep bacon on my breakfast plate with my eggs, a sunny side up. I love right. that. But yeah, if you're going to put it on in a, in a shake or in a brittle, I guess I'm going to have to pass on that. Well, this is the dead week of the year, and we are going to get to what's going on in the world of law and sports in just a bit. But I have to know, do you make New Year's resolutions? And if so, what is maybe your one or two resolutions for this next year? So normally I don't. Normally I don't make New Year's resolutions. I try to keep, you know, my goals fluid throughout the year. I right. don't buy into that thing. But this year it's a little bit different. And maybe, Joel, it's because I'm turning 40 this year. Maybe it's because I'm figuring a little, you know, I got to be a little more goal oriented. But legitimately this year, like I'm going to hit the gym at least three times a week. That's the new year's resolution is they opened a All brand right. new gym within walking distance of my house. All right, there you go. So uh, that that's is a great resolution. I've heard it. some, some people say they're going to change the name of their bathroom from the John to the gym. <laughs> to that the way they gym. start every morning by going to the gym, but you apparently yep. want to do more than that. Actually go to a gym. Yep. Physically going to be in the EOS fitness. That's two blocks from my house. All right. That, that sounds good. Let's, let's keep that up. I, I have some, I am just in the process of making goals, but Chris, you got to understand I am an excellent goal setter. I set the bar really high. I shoot for it because Ooh. I had this whole failing forward concept to life where I, I might not reach my goals, but I'm right. going to be a lot further along the way if I had not set any goals at all. So, hey, this next year for this podcast, let's get 10,000 subscribers. I would love to get that for this next year. And so, uh, hey, we got to have a goal. We got to start somewhere. We have a lot of traction going on over this last couple of months. And let's keep that up and a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. Now, I have nothing right. to do with the latter, more to do with the former. But, hey, you got to <laughs> have goals, right? We got all it. Right. We got it. Well, let's start by talking about this this week in law, if you will. And there's a lot of interesting events going on in, in the world of law. Uh, let's start off with the Maxwell trial. Well, the Maxwell verdict is out. And here to tell us what that verdict is, is Chris. Hey, Chris, what happened in the Maxwell case? Man, it came out a lot different than I thought it was going to come out because the jury was out deliberating for so long, but she got found guilty on five of the six charges she faced. So the six charges were 
Uh, one count of conspiracy to entice underage, uh, under the age of 17 individuals to travel interstate with the intent to gauge in sexual activity, intent to transport the same 17-year-old to engage in illegal sexual activity, and then the transportation of the individual under 17 with the intent to engage in sexual activity, and conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of individuals under 18. Now, all of those are kind of wrapped up with the same couple of victims that testified at our trial. What was funny, or I shouldn't say funny because none of this is funny. What was odd is that she was found not guilty of one count of enticement of an individual under the age of 17 to travel with the intent to engage in illicit sexual activity. That was one of the Jane Doe's the jury decided knew what she was doing. That's the interesting part in all of this. Interesting. That even, even though the girl was under the age of 17, the girl knew that she was going to be going to this location to engage in sexual activity. So the, um, the enticement portion, she didn't entice the 17-year-old. Ah, she, I get she it. She transported. She, she was a co-conspirator. She helped commit the crime, but there was no convincing to do so. She, The 17-year-old, or the under 17-year-old, the Jane Doe, we don't know her actual name, was actually chose and knew what she was doing on her way to go have sex with these Johns. Well, I think we can agree that now is when things get interesting. So the prosecution felt they had a pretty strong case there based upon the evidence that they had and the testimonies that they right. had. And the defense really was, hey, Jeffrey Epstein is really the guy that you want. You don't really have that much against our client, but the circumstantial evidence and the testimony of these ladies was pretty, pretty astounding. But mm -hmm. where does that leave us? Let me just tell you where I think it leaves us ready to make a deal. Because now For Maxwell sure. is holding zero cards to play. The only card she has, to, the only thing that she can hope to gain here, because she's already been convicted, the only right. thing she hopes to gain here is that I don't want to get put in maybe maximum security or general general population or something like that. And right. so the prosecution now knowing that she has no cards to play is going to offer her some kind of deal of maybe a better venue, maybe less time rather than 60 years and maybe it's 40 years. I don't know in exchange for naming names. What do you think about that? I, I think that's exactly how it's going to go. She's going to try to now translate that little black book and start putting people actually in the room. If When our listeners remember the start of the trial, they talked about how uh, Donald Trump was Jeffrey Epstein's friend, Bill Clinton, uh, Ray Fiennes. Remember, we went through this big long list of the pilot testifying that these people were on the plane of Epstein's. Well, now... Uh, now Maxwell can say, well, yes, this person, this person, this person was on the plane, and I know that they had sex with 17-year-olds or underage girls. She could start dishing pretty hard on yes. who actually did what. So that's going to create a whole nother power vacuum and a whole nother issue. And on the Joel Olster Comedian at Law podcast, we need to say it. She did not kill herself. Maxwell I think, hey, did not kill herself. We said it first here. Go ahead and get a trademark for that. Maxwell right. did not kill herself. Let's put a hashtag on that and send it out because if it's not already started, right. let's be the first ones to do that. But yeah, uh, I think that the, the watch now needs to be on. I, I don't think she is 
as well, no, let's just face it. Once they make the deal to her, her life is in jeopardy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but all I have to say is Jeffrey Epstein. We That was the first time right. in my memory that a conspiracy theory was called before the event actually took place. And so that astounded mm-hmm. me how we all said, oh, he's going to uh, watch out for suicide. He, he, he didn't kill himself before he actually passed away. And so indeed. There's there is room for a uh, cause here, for cause for concern, and so I like how you said it. Maxwell did not kill herself. And and you know what? The biggest thing and that's coming from this is now the discussion of Prince Andrew. What do you right? mean? Pr- Prince Andrew met Jeffrey Epstein through Maxwell. Interesting. And, and so Prince Andrew is gearing up for a court, a civil court case as well. How is this Maxwell trial verdict now that we know that Maxwell um, has been found guilty of trafficking 17-year-old girls and the civil case that's going on against Prince Andrew right now is from one of Epstein's victims wow. leading this civil case. So that's going to be the thing that we see right now is that um, Prince Andrew's case is going to have some some lasting effects now that a court has found Jusane uh, Maxwell guilty of sex trafficking. Now, how that has impact on the case, I don't know, but I know that it's going to help either. It's definitely going to help the victim of this case. Well, I will tell you, uh, listeners here, two things. One, you will not actually hear what Chris and I predicted because we actually recorded this podcast a day ago, probably hours right. before the verdict came out. And let's just say we were slightly off, and that's why we are now, we, we are now recording the replacement <laughs> part For that portion of the podcast, you won't be able to hear how bad our guesses were as to how the verdict might come out. Maybe we might save that for later. But that being said, I will be shocked if big names don't fall. I mean, if we get zero big names out of this, it will shock me. You have to. I am certain there are big names out there, and they will come out soon. Huge names. And they should, Joel. I think that needs to be said more than anything else. Whether it's Democrats or Republicans or Hollywood movie stars or race car drivers or whoever. Hold on a second. Just pause. You just said something to the effect of big names need to fall. And then I heard a woof woof. Was that you uh, saying that big (laughs) names need to fall? Or was your dog signaling agreement with what you said? It was so much in tune with the (laughs) rhythm of what you were saying. I can't tell if that was you doing a woof woof or your dog agreeing (laughs) with you. I mean, it's that Arsenio Hall thing from the 1990s, right? <laughs> like shaking the fist, throwing up the wumps. Exactly. Amazing. All right. That leads us to our next case, the Kimberly Potter verdict. What happened here last week, if you remember, Kimberly Potter was the policeman uh, who, uh, police, the, the person. police person. Yeah, exactly. Who um who was involved in this ordeal with a, 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 a person in custody and yep. this person was resisting being in custody. And so she said, I'm going to tase you here. And um, uh, she, I think she yelled out three times, I'm going to tase you, I'm going to tase you, I'm going to tase you. She reached for her gun instead of her taser and then shot the person thinking it was her taser. And then immediately after she shot this person, yelled, oh my goodness, I just shot this person. Oh, and it then, wasn't, oh my goodness, Joel. It was very <laughs> much harsher language. All right. Did I, did I um, uh, get that G rated for us? Keep that. Yeah. Keep that G rating. But it was not, it was, she had a, she, and, and this is part of it. She had a full on like breakdown at the site of the incident. She, okay. 
she immediately shut she she and she never she never denied that she pulled her gun she never denied that she shot him um she was remorseful at the sight of the scene she immediately shut down she couldn't be consoled she couldn't move she couldn't do anything she couldn't provide assistance to other officers she literally just like went full on um inside of her head and was done after after just after shooting him so the, the point there is it seems very, very clear from the actual video recording of what happened and mm-hmm. the audio recording that she said, I'm going to pull my taser out. I'm going to tase you. And then she yeah. shot the person immediately after that. She said, oh, my goodness, I just shot the person. And you can clear it was clear from the, the, the audio tape. She did not mean to shoot the person. I mean, I, I think that there's. Uh, it's abundantly clear that was her right. state of mind. And so let's let's now analyze. So we got a um, a not or we got a guilty verdict. And Chris, my suggestion is going to be, I think this guilty verdict is a product of jury nullification part two or or, or version Ooh. two. Here, here's what I mean by that. Hit me with this. Usually, jury nullification is where the jury says we are going to refuse to apply the law. And we're going to find this person not guilty for whatever reason. Now, as lawyers, we can't argue for a jury, jury nullification. Nope. But juries do that on occasion. They'll say, for whatever reason, we think the law should not be applied. In this case, it would be unjust. We're going to nullify the law and find this person not guilty. Right. I think the same concept is at play here in these cases in reverse. In other words, the jury is saying, we don't care what the law is. We're going to find you guilty because we want to send a bigger message, uh, possibly. That, that's going to be right. my, my suggestion, is that this is an example, example of jury nullification gone the opposite direction. Here's my, my thesis behind that. Go. There is no way this jury could not find reasonable doubt. It, it's all over these facts. And so, Chris, what I did was I went back and I pulled up the actual jury instructions on these charges under both of the instructions state of mind was critical under the criminal recklessness mm-hmm. standard is said that the person uh, is said that she had to have acted with the intent to handle the gun yet disregarded the dangers. And, and, uh, and I think clearly there is reasonable doubt that she intended to handle the gun and then disregarded disregarded the dangers. I think, yeah, there's reasonable yes. doubt. There's doubt all over the place. Right. She screamed three times, I'm going to tase you. And then immediately after shooting the person, you know, was immediately remorseful. So I can't believe I shot you. I, I thought mm-hmm. I was tasing you. All right. The second uh, jury instruction was on negligence. And under this jury instruction, what it said was the potter must have conscientiously took a chance of causing death. No, she didn't. There was no state of mind there to cause a death. There was no consciousness about that. It was an accident. So, Chris, what do you think about that? Do you want to uh, uh, call me to task here? You want to challenge me, or do you agree with my brilliance? It's <laughs> agree with your brilliance. <laughs> I am the smartest like I man that in the room. room. I did. I appreciated that. I appreciated that. We we look at the jury instructions. You and I sitting in our different locations, looking at the jury instructions, being lawyers, being fully trained in what's going on. And we could say, look, you know, you're not following the jury instructions. But then you look at the jury and what's going on and and, and the trial and, and it's it's 
a lot of different things thrown together. This case happened less than two miles from where George Floyd's case happened, where Derek Chauvin was was found guilty of of murder. Um, This case happened during this time where there's excessive scrutiny, maybe not excessive, that was probably the wrong word, there's extreme scrutiny on the police force to be acting in a way that's more community-oriented policing and less less of a... um, you know, tyrannical force as some people see it. Uh, not everybody there's it's, it's hard. There's uh, a high standard that police have to be held to. Do I think that Kim Potter, you know, regrets every second of that moment that there's reasonable doubt. She did not intend to kill um, Mr. Wright. Yeah. I, oh, it's a tragic situation. It's, it's absolutely tragic. Is, is there going to be a, a, a time in this land where, situations like this aren't going to make national news and prosecutors aren't going to overcharge because they, you know, they can get, I mean, this has been my running play the entire podcast, right? Prosecuting, prosecuting attorneys are overcharging these cases because they get highlights. They end up everywhere. If you, if you charged Kim, Kim Potter with the correct crime, maybe not manslaughter, maybe negligence, maybe negligent of infliction of physical injury or something to that effect, or even, even a negligence death thing because Mr. Wright did die rather than manslaughter. You, you wouldn't have gotten CNN, Fox news, MSNBC to cover your trial every single day, or the, the news networks would have called for the state's attorneys to be fired or replaced or given a medal. I don't know, depending on your sway in, in media consumption. So a lot of these prosecutors are under this extreme scrutiny from the media because they want to see their narrative play out in every place it shouldn't play out. And prosecutors do tend to be politicians later they on, do. run for office, maybe run for judge, judge. Maybe run for state right. senator, something like they that. They got to be tough on crime. That's the, right. that's the line. They, they like those headlines. I just wonder here, in the way I'm reading this case, and I want you to poke some holes mm-hmm. in my theory. Go. I don't see how there's not reasonable doubt here. I went through the jury instructions. All right. the jury instructions require a state of mind right. that she thought that what she was holding was a gun. That is a requirement of these jury instructions. So the issue is, is there reasonable doubt that she mistook what she was holding as as a as a gun, and she thought it was a taser. She thought it was a taser. Is is that is a reasonable now, doubt that she thought it was actually a taser? Now, is it ju- reasonable, like Kim Porter had to think that, or was it the reasonable, prudent police officer? Because that's no. where I could poke holes. It, it's it, her own mind. I went through the jury instructions, and right. both of them require a state of mind in her mindset that she believed she was aware that there was danger with what she was doing. She disregarded that danger. That was the recklessness one under the culpable negligence one. She had to conscientiously take action in disregard of the actual danger involved. And so in both cases, is there reasonable doubt that she believed she was actually holding her taser and not her gun? Chris, there's all kinds of reasonable doubt here. Mm -hmm. And then for our listeners who are not lawyers, let's be clear here. The issue is not what do you think happened. Right. It's not like, hey, you know, 51% one way, 49% the other. That's not the issue we're talking about. We're talking about is there reasonable doubt in your mind? Well, yeah, 
let me lay it out there for you. She said three times, I'm going to tase you. Right. And then immediately after it showed remorse. That is significant, reasonable doubt to believe. Otherwise would be to believe that she somehow concocted this evil scheme. of I'm going to trick you by saying, I'm going to tase you when I know I'm actually holding a gun and I want to kill you. That is so implausible. I can't believe any jurors actually think thought that was going through her mind. Well, and if you remember the, the jurors did ask for her gun and the taser to be back in the jury room. So if we're going to be on the speculation ship right now, that could be something that it did turn on, right? They held the taser. They held the gun. They felt the differences in weight in the taser and the gun, the differences in the handle of the taser and the gun. And they, did not, and they didn't believe that she could have mistaken the two. But I th- I'm going to suggest that they were clearly out of bounds because what they were saying was, in their mind, that's not reasonable. That's not the issue. The issue is, is, is it, um, is there, is, had they proven the case beyond a reasonable doubt? Is it reasonable that she, is there a reasonable doubt that she actually thought she was possessing a gun? Let's look at the facts here. This was an emergency situation. Someone was resisting arrest and just broke free. It's an emergency situation that requires immediate action. You're not sitting in the confines of a climate-controlled jury room where you're holding something for 15 minutes and you're analyzing and tossing it around in your hand. This is split-second decisions where lives are at stake. All right, that being said, in order to say, no, there's no reasonable doubt here, you would have to conclude she is a a, a, a home... I don't know what you want to say, uh, the homicidal tendencies. Does she plan this out by saying, look, I know what I'm holding is a gun, I'm going to tell you it's a taser because I want you to be confused so I can kill you. Chris, that's not reasonable. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying the jury did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) I think the jury has basically took this position. The jury said, look, what do we think is more likely than not? I don't think that's the right standard. The standard is, has the prosecution proven its case beyond a reasonable doubt? In other words, is there reasonable doubt that she was confused? All right, so that is the Kimberly Potter trial. Very interesting verdict. I wonder if it's a result of jury nullification gone the opposite direction. Uh, and what, you know, if will we see more of these cases in the future? Will juries be taking these important social issues uh, in their own hands, rendering their own verdicts, and kind of ignoring the law as we go? Any final thoughts, Chris, before we yeah. move on to talk about, I know your favorite person, Donald Trump? My man. Uh I'm I'm serious to to see where this goes on appeal, right? We're gonna we're gonna have I the opportunity agree. to uh, you know Kim is gonna have every opportunity to appeal this decision, so I'm I'm looking to see in the future five ten years down the road what does the makeup of courts gonna look like when her appeal finally makes it there? What will the Supreme Court look like, right? Yes. What and and how is this gonna shake out? It's really it's one of these litmus test cases where you know in the moment. Some sides may think this is a victory. Some sides may see this as a defeat. Some sides may see this as the justice system gone awry. But what I think all of us at least are looking at from the legal profession or legal standpoint is that, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten years down the road, two, almost we could say almost two more presidential, you know, elections are going to happen between now and this case hitting the Supremes. What's the makeup going to look like? Is this a, something that's going to be held up at at uh at the supreme court level because i can one thing that's coming out of this this is going to be challenged all the way up the line and there's going to have to be a decision from an upper from a, a higher court on whether or not what this jury did was was right or wrong i think so because i i think at the at the crux of the matter what what this right. judge should do is this judge should say look no 
Uh, no reasonable jury could could rule that there's not reasonable doubt in this case. There's an abundance of reasonable doubt. And these two laws that we have jury instructions on required some kind of intent on her part. And there's reasonable doubt all over this case. And so maybe the courts will fix this on their own. Uh, but maybe they'll let the verdict stand. You just never know. With these I don't cases. think the trial court judge is going to touch this with a 10 foot pole. He is going to kick it up, a lo- kick it up a launch and be like, no, no, no. It's these appointed judges that don't run for office. Right. They're the ones that overturn the will of the people. I did my public service. Well, let's now move over since we are talking a little bit of politics. Let's go ahead and really get involved with politics. Donald Trump is at the United States Supreme Supreme Court. Former President Donald Trump came to the Supreme Court last week, and they're asking the justices to block the release of White House records to the congressional committee that is investigating the January 6th. Uh, I, I, I hate to say attack on the U.S. Capitol because, Chris, I don't think it was an attack. I just uh-huh. don't. I think they went... Um, maybe, maybe it's an attack and not an insurrection or coup, whatever I've seen re- referred to as this mm-hmm. is not exactly the Bay of, Bay of Pigs kind of stuff, but nonetheless, right. it was a huge black eye on our, on our nation. Uh, it, it was a horrible look for us. You had a bunch of ne'er-do-wells charging the Capitol. It looked like a redneck convention gone awry. I don't even know. They're actually carrying around different kinds of furniture there in the Capitol. Um, it was stuff, a, man. it was a very scary scene because when you have things like this, you don't know what's going to happen. In fact, it was such a scary nope. scene that the cops shot someone who was involved there and she died. And then I believe some, uh, there were also some other fatalities later on um, after this event as well. So it was a very serious event. And it just had a real bad look because it at that moment in time, the Senate was voting. Actually, the, I guess it would have been that the House of Representatives was voting to accept right. the Electoral College's vote. And, and so what Donald Trump does not want his records. So here's the deal, Chris. Right. Once the word first got out as to what was happening, uh, do you know what time that was? Where when when the let's just say the first window was broken, so we knew this was being changed from just simply a protest to something more sinister. When was that? Uh, looking at the timeline right now, the first window was broken. Um, the riot was declared at one fifty p.m. The Capitol Police at 1.35 said that there was a broken window on the south side of um, the Congressional Building. At 1.35, we know we have some vandalism. We have a crowd right. of, of a lot of people marching right. onto the Capitol Building. That's when they were taking their vote. And so this is a very scary time. At that moment in time, then, how long did it take? So we got 1.35. Right. How long did it take for Donald Trump called off the dogs and i know he did not order them there but when did he finally say hey guys stop this this is wrong so at 4 17 p.m he released the video statement where it was a it was about the third or fourth thing he said uh but you have to go home now that's the quote but you have to go home now it opens with i know your pain i know you're hurt we had an election that was stolen from us it was a landslide election and everyone knows it especially other on the other side but you have to go home now. Okay. I remember that time period because it was, it, it, we were all talking about it. We were all following it on social right. media. We're, we're watching, watching it on the live. news. You know, the president, someone, hey, president, this is going on right now. Maybe you should pay attention. 
what did he do during those two to three hours? That is a long time for the president of the United States to do nothing. His vice president was in that Capitol building. So here's the issue, Chris. Should the president's communications, when he he was president during those three hours, should they be up for public review right now? That is the issue before the Supreme Court. Any thoughts? And the answer is yes. The answer Why do you say is, that? The answer is a resounding yes. This is not privileged communiques. This isn't uh, national security issues. This isn't f- dealing with foreign governments. This is the reaction time of a sitting U.S. president during what a lot of people believe to be a riot, whether you want to call it insurrection or a coup d'etat or whatever. There was a riot going on at the seat of our government, at what people have called, what Franklin Delano Roosevelt called the palace of the people. Right. Okay. And I know, and I know that's a bit dramatic, but this is communicated between the, the sitting commander in chief and the army by which he should be deploying to stop this violent incursion that is going on. And so we, as American people deserve to know what's going on between the people that run our country. Right. So clearly this is not a matter of, hey, look, we have a national or international China or Uh Russia is planning some kind of bomb or terrorist act from an outside country that where we're trying to, you know, trade secrets or or national secrets are involved. This is what did Donald Trump say during this three hour period of time? What did he do? Why did he not try to stop this? Is he involved in some way? Now, what Donald Trump is arguing to the court is like, hey, look. These are presidential records. I they right. they should be privileged. I was the president, and, and so there is a this idea of executive privilege. But here is the deal: he's no longer the president. Biden right. is the current president. So the first issue is who gets to raise that executive privilege? Is it the outgoing president, the former president who right. was president during that time? Or the current president. Now, Trump is saying, look, if you allow it to be the current president, then that's going to allow for politicking to get involved. Uh, you know, they're, hey, this is a political adversary. They're going to be digging up dirt on their political adversary. This is not a wise move. This is just going to be divisive and political. Any thoughts on that, Chris, before I give my thoughts? I love how one of the most divisive and political presidents of all time is holding up his hands going, we shouldn't make things political. Some things are just not political. We need to not be divisive. We need to know the president of the United States is the most utmost topmost political position in the United States, the right. most political position. If it wasn't the most political position, we would have more than just a Republican and a Democrat running every four years. But no, we have party systems that come from institutional money and power and discussion points. It is the most political position ever. The the president, whoever that may be, may it be male or female or whatever, they will go out and tout their partisan agenda of how they are going to, quote unquote, fix or help or make America great again. It is a political post by definition. Right, so, right, right. so for, for him to come out and say, no, 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 this is divisive and that holding a rally on the day of the certifying vote of the election and saying the election was stolen, that is political and divisive as well. I, but not to the point. level, not to the level that he wants to get there. to. 
So what Trump, Trump argued that the stakes are extremely high here. He said right. that this case will determine whether presidents can rely upon executive privilege, separation right. of powers, and the Presidential Records Act to protect confidential presidential records of deliberations from mm-hmm. premature production to political rivals. Chris, I'm gonna, I hate to do this, but I think I'm going to have to agree with you once again. I really don't do. like to agree with my political enemies. I don't consider <laughs> you my political enemy, but right. here's the reason why. And I think I'm kind of channeling my dad's wisdom here. My dad was a journalist, and his take was, you know what? Just let, let us know. Let the public know. Mm-hmm. What are you afraid of? If you think it's damaging information, let it out. Because here's the deal. By the way, President Biden said, I have reviewed this information. There's nothing here that warrants uh, the executive privilege. He determined that an assertion of the executive privilege is not in the best interest of the United States. And therefore, it is not justified as to any of the documents. So the current president who won the election made that determination. All right. Let's say Biden is wrong there and that this information is just petty and it's a uh, uh, it, right. doing this to get political dirt on his adversary. Biden will pay the political price. Let Indeed. the public decide. Right. And I honestly it, think it's petty. I think that Donald Trump was sitting in the Oval or he was sitting in a bunker or he was sitting wherever he wanted to sit and he was just being pissed off. And he was, he was angry. Waiting. He was just he was doing his narcissist Donald Trump thing of crying to whoever will listen to him about how he was robbed and everybody loves him and that this was a rig and you know it was rigged and I know it was rigged and this is rigged. And I honestly think that he was just angry that the news was not talking about him. Uh, I don't know what information was in there. All I'm saying is let the public hear it right. and let, let us, all us have decide. It. Yeah, uh, and if it if it supports Donald Trump, then hey, great for Donald Trump supporters. Right. If it goes against Donald Trump, then great for the opponent the opponents of Donald Trump. Right. Whichever way it goes, we as the public deserve to know what that is. All right. Well, and Another- we talked about this real quickly. Was this sets a precedent for the future presidents? Right. If Joe it Biden does. is going to review it and say, nope, there's no executive privilege here. That means his political rival, who could be Donald Trump in 2024, might come back and release all of Biden's internal memos yes. or discussions. Right. It opens a door. And if Biden's willing to open that door, let him open the door and walk through it. More transparency has never been bad. And if we want to open up that, analyze that just a bit more, if you remember when Barack Obama was leaving office, he had some involvement in some spying of uh, incoming President Donald Trump. Now that the door has been opened, Donald Trump will also be able to release those records from President Obama. And so, yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I am saying if it it does not involve national security, let the public know. We deserve to know, and then we can make the decisions based upon that. And And I'll just say on the record, as for myself, I want to know what he was doing for those three hours because right. his vice president, Mike Pence, was there in the, the in Congress, and, um, and he knew that there was a, a lot of people, call them a mob, an insurrection, whatever you want, they were going there. And whenever you have that kind of disorderly conduct, mm-hmm. that's a dangerous, a scary situation. That was his right. vice president over there. What was he doing during that time period? I want to know what he was doing. All right. right. 
also before the U.S. Supreme Court uh, next week is going to be vaccinations are at the Supreme Court. The yeah. court is going to take up this issue of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. Um, Biden issued a uh, an order that required vaccination or testing for all employees of businesses, I believe over 100 employees. The Fifth Circuit ruled that was an unconstitutional act by the president. The Sixth Circuit went a different way, and that issue is now going to be considered by the U.S. Supreme Court. So it just is. stay tuned, and we will see what the court says about that. Well, I think I think during the abortion cases, you and I both noted that both um, Roberts and uh, both Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Barrett both noted about bodily autonomy and the vaccine. Right. So they could have been tipping their hand a little bit to see where it's going to go. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't know how this court's going to go. I do know this court is going to be in an interesting position of, in the first case we just talked about, maybe lessening presidential powers, executive privileges, and things like that. In this case, the court might be um, broadening them or or lessening them. Both of these cases really involve presidential or or executive power, so we'll see how the court uh, rules on those two cases. All right, that being said, it is now time to talk football. Do it, courtroom quarterbacks. All right, Chris, I am excited to talk some football here. So I know this is the second half of our podcast. I have been dying for this section because I I am giddy, Chris. I am just head over heels. I am grinning from ear to ear. I (laughs) wish we were doing this on videotape because you would not believe how the, the smile that is on my face. And do you want to take a guess as to why I have a huge, huge smile across my face? Because the SEC sucks. Oh, Chris, say it again. S-E-C sucks. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my. I cannot stand Looking the at you. The Southeastern Conference, the, the conference that brought cheating to the mainstream of college sports, they right now, Chris, as we sit here recording this podcast, are 0-4 in their bowl games. And, Chris, I cannot be happier. They... All the talk going into these bowl games and throughout the collegiate season is how high and mighty the SEC was. Oh, they're just the best right. football conference. God created this conference himself. You know, this is 12 disciples. These are, I don't right. know what, what I'm trying to I say there, it. but nonetheless, I love it. That's all they were. Th- that's all the talk is how incredibly talented and powerful the SEC was. And was. now they are 0 and was. 4. And, and I cannot be happier. Mississippi State was a 10-point favorite over Texas Tech, and they got shellacked by about 27 points. Army yep. uh, got uh, Army beat Missouri. Yep. We call them Misery. Cannot stand the Missouri Tigers. Uh, Army walloped them. Mm-hmm. Florida. Florida was a 7-point yep. favorite over UCF. Now, Chris, you got to understand, I lived in Orlando, Florida. Yep. I lived about eight miles from the campus of UCF. Right. And while there in Orlando, living eight miles, the general thought was, where is UCF? Is that is that a I was actually going to ask parts? you. I was going to ask the average college football fan to please point out where UCF is on the map. <laughs> and I can guarantee you, you're the only one who can do that. Because I lived eight miles right. away and I there still barely knew where right. UCF was. Yeah. Right. No one knows. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Mighty Florida, the biggest game and biggest school in town as far yeah. as the love of college football. I learned when I went down there to Florida, I lived in Florida, 
that basically you have two different sports programs in Florida. You have Florida State, yep, and you have Florida. I mm-hmm. I, did not, I thought they were be Miami fans. Not really. You're no. either Florida or you're Florida State. Well, it turns out mm-hmm. UCF is a pretty big school as well, and they're right there in Orlando, just to, on the east side of Orlando, uh, just in, in Oviedo, or just south of Oviedo is where I, I lived in Oviedo, and UCF was just down the street about eight miles from where I lived. Yeah, uh, but none. It was close. He had great tennis courts there. But nonetheless, this I am sure Florida was going into this game thinking, yeah, do we even have to play UCF? I mean, they're not they're not in our league. I mean, come on, right? You have Florida, then you have your JV program, then you have your intramural program. And maybe at the intramural level is where they figured UCF fit in. And maybe right. with, I don't know, powder puff, whatever. They had no respect for UCF. Well, UCF beat Florida. Hard. I could not be happier. And then finally, Auburn uh, played Houston. And Auburn, the same team, by the way, who should have beat Alabama a few weeks ago, but for one player who was so stupid, did not go out of bounds when the clock should have ran out. He mm. went out of bounds and stopped the clock, giving Alabama time to win the case. I wonder if he had any money on the bet on the game. But nonetheless, that Auburn, who should have beat Alabama, got whipped by Houston and I could not be happier. So Chris take over. Cause I'm just going to sit back here and bask <laughs> in the glory of the sec going down. I thoroughly love it. I, I feel like almost as I was, as I was uh, doing the recap of the Florida UCF game, it made me think about like a legacy of urban Meyer, like, Florida went down, Urban Meyer went down. Like, cause I remember the Florida Gators, like that was my year. Those were my years was really into college football was Aaron Hernandez and Tib Tebow and Urban Meyer and, and the Florida Gator. And I'm still waiting for a right. ESPN 30 for 30 on that Florida Gators team. That like, is an I, amazing team. Right. But, but watching the, and it gives me hope, right? Cause I'm over here and, and, and though my picks this week are not going to reflect it, I'm over here in the Cincinnati Bearcats like land, Right. You know, my, my eldest brother lives just south of Cincinnati, so the city is electric for the first time since Cincinnati was founded or from when the Reds won the World Series in 1992, whatever came first. Um, you know, it, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great to see Cincinnati take out Alabama, or as we hope they will, to watch the SEC fail, and maybe that will be the precipice that causes the college football playoffs to realize that you don't need two SEC teams in the playoffs, that there could be more greater, better, more entertaining like storylines than just Alabama every year. Newsflash to the SEC, there are other football programs right. outside of your dang conference. Hot yes. take. Hot why, take. Why half of the college football playoff teams are from the SEC is just ridiculous. Right. But nonetheless, we're going to get to our betting picks here in just a bit. But let me just lay out a little bit of a teaser. I am going to actually put my money where my mouth is, and I'm going to bet along what I just said, which is the SEC is overrated. But before right. we get to our picks, which I know our listeners are just dying to see who's in the lead. Have you caught up with me yet? Or, or is that even a possibility? But <laughs> nah, let's talk a little John Madden. And so oh. John Madden passed away here. I believe it was yesterday uh, on uh, Wednesday, Tuesday of this week. And so what I think a lot of listeners do not realize is how good all time, good all time, great of a coach, 
John Madden was. He actually had one of the highest winning percentages in the history of football. He was that good of a football coach. He won a Super Bowl for the Oakland Raiders. I wonder how many people even knew he was a football coach, let alone one of the best football coaches of all time. You know, Madden is football. You can't talk about the NFL and not in the same breath think or believe in John Madden. If you were below um, 45 years of age, you played Madden football on one, right, of your, right. one of your game consoles. You pick it, right? Nintendo, yep. Super Nintendo, Sega, whatever, going all the way back. His voice. His voice. Him and Pat Summerall. Yes. Right. They called every game on Fox for years. Right. John Madden was the first one ever to pause the screen and then draw the play on the screen. And he'd always be like, and this is what happened. And then doink, there went the football. And you would like, you could just, (laughs) you know, you could pay attention to John Madden and he made football understandable to every, you learn John Madden is a master class in Everything that he did for NFL, for football, for America. Because right, Chris, hold on a second. Pause right there. I'm going to just oh. have to lay this out there. I want this to be a regular feature of our podcast where we have our Chris Marone impersonates John Madden <laughs> section where you can get football advice using your John Madden voice. That was a great impersonation. I can't wait to see what you can come up with next week with a little bit of practice. Oh, definitely. That is that is happen. That is for sure. Sure, gonna happen because I love John. I love John. John Madden was like he was there, like he, so he was you reliable. Think, he was everything. So when you say John Madden, what do you think of first football coach, no. sports broadcaster, or Madden game? I would say first and foremost sportscaster. Okay, first and foremost Sundays with John Madden, essentially right. He was he was the American preacher on Sunday. Right. It was John Madden football, and he and, and he was at his pulpit, whether it was the game at noon or the game at five. John Madden, you watched that. It didn't matter who was playing. You were watching John Madden, listening to his color commentary, so you could sound intelligent that Monday talking about football with your friends. He did make it interesting. I love listening to his voice. I, I right. like it when you have former players and coaches talking about the games. They definitely right. offer an insight that – non-football players don't have. So it's kind of nice to see inside of their mind, uh, right. especially someone like who is a coach who knows all facets of the game. One of the interesting tidbits about John Madden that I kind of forgotten about until I, re- I was reading in preparation for this podcast is that he hated to fly. In fact, he, he had his it. own little bus, his charter bus that he drove to all of his next football games. So after a football game, they'd all hop in his bus and drive to the next venue because he hated to fly. And I got, I, yeah. I would love that gig in the future. If I could drive from CLE to CLE and have my own entourage oh. go with me, wouldn't that be a lot of fun? Right. That would, Oh my gosh, that would be great. You know, that would be um, who there was a, um, there was a professional wrestler and I can't think of his name right now. He was like the modern day Andre, the giant, um, okay. He he was on like a behind the wrestling or behind the music or behind the scenes or something like that. And he talked about because he was like seven foot tall and 500 pounds or whatever he was, that he got the idea from John Madden to just buy a tour bus and drive, drive venue to venue because it was better for his knees than being a 700 or a seven foot tall, 500 pound guy trying to squeeze into an airplane seat. 
Now, I would like that. I would love to get our own tour bus. Oh my gosh! Put your picture on nation. the side. Big exactly. debriefing the law. CLEs. Oh, oh, yeah. It's the yeah, dream, right? It's the it. absolute dream. If I can just get internet access to that rig, that RV, uh, I would sell my house and buy an RV about the same price, and then just tour this country <laughs> coast to coast. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. All right, I love it. It is now time for our picks and so let's see where we're at here we only have i know we're kind of doing this on the fly when we started this this was an educational pursuit we wanted to educate all the little ones out there about the dangers of gambling chris i'm afraid we have failed in we really have because we are doing quite well in fact we almost should be getting some some love and following by those who want to gamble follow our picks mm-hmm. because then we'll probably start going the other direction and start losing every week but right. until then uh let's just take a look here we're after week 16 you had a great week last week you went four and one yep. you are now at 42 and 35 for the year so you started with 500 dollars. you are now up i believe this is going to be 12 percent you're up at the 570. Yep. I'm not sure I got the math right on hey, that. Hey, I still have that $100 from the Army-Navy game. I'm putting that out there. We're counting that. That's real cash money in my hand. You have that as well. Yes, and we're going to talk about that here in just a bit. But last week, I went 3-2, and two, so not quite as good as you. Right. My record to date is 49 and 34. I am up to $650, so an $80 advantage over you. Indeed. I am. Now, we're not going to do this now. We're, let's just play out the regular season as it comes. Okay. Are, are you with me here? I'm here with this. Okay. And but we're gonna play a little bit of final jeopardy with the playoffs. Are, are you following are you tracking what I'm saying here? I am. I'm feeling we're gonna we're gonna bet dollar amounts instead of just our exactly. standard. Exactly. With the money you have left, you can bet on certain games to then uh see who can end the year on top. So we'll do that throughout the um uh, the playoffs until you, you run out of money or you are left standing. That's how we will do it at come Perfect. playoff times. I love it. All right. Let's turn up the heat. That being said, let's go over our um uh, our picks for this week. And what I'm going to do here for this week, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to hate on the SEC because this is my Good. theory, Chris. And I, I'm wondering if our listeners, those that are doing the sports analysis along with us and tracking, this is my theory about betting. I think you need to look for the national storylines that are incorrect. For whatever reason, you have a take on sports and you know that the national storyline is incorrect. And so that's why I was really big. If you remember the week when Nebraska was playing, uh, I believe it was Michigan State, one of the Michigan schools, and Nebraska was like a multi-touchdown underdog. Like 21-point underdog or something like that. Right. And I said, no, there is no way. Nebraska will lose this game. Yes, that's a a given. They will play it close. Nebraska always plays their opponents close and then loses at the end. I knew that because I was a Nebraska fan. That's what we look for here. What is a national storyline? And do we have inside information that we believe runs counter to that national storyline? Well, my national storyline right now that I think is just fooey, worth a hill of beans, is that the SEC is some incredibly great conference. I think they are weak this year. They have been exposed this year. Go ahead and look it up. Who has Georgia beaten? 
nobody. I think Arkansas is the top team that they beat, and so I think the SEC is overrated. I am going to put my money on the four remaining SEC games. And so we got Michigan, Georgia. Right now, Georgia is a a 7.5-point favorite. I'm putting my money on Michigan on that one. Alabama, a a 13.5-point favorite over Cincinnati. Wow. I'm going to take Cincinnati on that one. Uh, By the way, for those of you who think I'm really crazy there, Houston, Cincinnati beat Houston in the conference championship game quite convincingly. Houston just whipped up on Auburn, which almost beat Alabama. So they are kind of on the same par there. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon over here. Exactly. I don't think Cincinnati is a 13 and a half point underdog. Now, of all my picks, I don't feel good about that one because I think Alabama, I think, while I think the SEC is overrated, I think Nick Saban is an incredible, incredible coach for the age. He's a coach for the ages. So the SEC is not that good. Nick Saban is that good, and I can't right. stand him for that. So I, I, Alabama will probably win that game going away in a blowout because he knows how to coach in high-pressure games. That being said, I'm going to stick to my word and take Cincinnati over Alabama. Iowa right. is a three-point underdog over uh, with Kentucky. Are you kidding me? Iowa? Is the underdog over Kentucky? No, I'm taking Iowa in that one, uh, plus the three points. And then Baylor is a point and a half underdog over Ole Miss. Oh, you got to love Baylor. Baylor. What's that? You got to love Baylor. You got to take Baylor on that. Big 12 champs there. Yeah. Uh, plus yeah. a point and a half. I'll, I'll take that one. Not, Those are my four up. picks. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you my other picks while we're talking about Let's it. Let's do it. Talk about these games. Chiefs and Bengals. Chiefs right now are a five-point favorite over the Bengals. Here's my take. I think the Bengals, they are not used to this time of the year. They have not played high-pressure games late in the season yet. The Chiefs, on the other hand, are battle-tested. They know how to win in December when the pressure is on. And in January, they have been now to three straight conference championship games, two straight Super Bowls. They they know how to play during Mm -hmm. this time of year. They are only a five-point favorite. I'm still going to take the Chiefs over the Bengals. That's Everything's too on the line for both of those teams. I'm going to take the the Chiefs over the the Bengals. Too All easy. right. My next pick, I am struggling with here, Chris. Can you help me think through these next picks? Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Last time All you right. asked me to do this, I I really screwed it up. So let's do. It this. did not work out well. No, exactly. And I I'm struggling with this one. I have here uh, the ne- the Jags and the Patriots. <laughs> The Jags are 15 and a half point underdogs over the Patriots. Now, this is my theory on this one, Chris. I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm going to take a chance on this game. All right, you ready? Okay. Go. The um, the Jags, I think, have been coached by a bumbling idiot all year in Urban Meyer. Yeah. I, I like Indeed. Urban Meyer as a college coach. I hope he coaches at Nebraska in two years. That being said, he had no idea what he was doing at uh, in, in the NFL. He has now been out of the program for two weeks. So I think the coordinators that are there, they do know what they are doing. And I think the players are going to come ready to play. They're going to play for pride here this week and cover that 15 and a half point spread. I, Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think the 15 and a half is pretty generous. I do think the Patriots are going to beat the Jags. I don't think they have a chance in victory, but I, th- I, I'm going to agree with you and say that the Jags will cover the 15.5. They just won't win the game. 
Yes, I, I think that their their manliness is being challenged here. And I think now that the crazy person has left the building for two weeks, right. that probably some kind of NFL normalcy is is being restored there in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. at least enough to cover a 15 and a half point spread. And oh, by the way, the Patriots might be a little overconfident. They're going to go in there, they're right. gonna get the victory in hand, and then they're going to coast out the game. And so I, I think that you see those two dynamics at play. I think the Jag will cover that 15 and a half point spread. And those are my six picks for this week. All right. Well, that's a pretty solid six picks, Joel. I got to start picking more teams so I can win more money against you. So that way I have more money to bet during our playoff double jeopardy rounds. So yes, um, I'm going to do the easy, easy picks first, right? I'm going to pick the bucks over the jets. They're a 13 point favorite. Why not? That just seems like easy money, money in the bank. See, this is my new strategy. My new strategy. We're, we're a fair amount of the way through the season. The playoff picture is already shaping up. So let me pick games that are going to help me just win money. Okay. Like a true gambling aholic. Allegiances be damned. So yes. we got Rams, Ravens. Rams are 3.5 favorite. Rams are going to cover that. Um, Ravens are, even though we've had a strong showing from the Ravens the past couple games, it's just not strong enough to overcome the Rams. Yes. Okay. We got San Francisco, Houston. San Francisco is the 12.5 favorite. San Francisco is going to cover that easily. Garoppolo, wow. even though he lost to Tennessee hard, and though Garoppolo did you get this joke from last time where he Garoppolo is number 10? So when, when he was on the field, he's the only 10 I see. Hey, oh, <laughs> ah, and good, then good. they lost to Tennessee. So there was yes. that. Uh, but they're going to take Houston uh, easily. Arizona versus Dallas. Dallas is a 5.5 favored. Yes. Dallas is going to murder. Repeat murder Arizona. I love I like that. I was going to take that game. I'm very, I was very tempted to take the Dallas game over here. I agree with you. Arizona right. is a fraud. Their coach has no idea what he's doing late in the right. season. Until he figures that out, yeah. Uh, I think I it's like a growth Dallas thing for him. Game. I think he came in overconfident when they were, they were doing so well, and now they're coming into Dallas. They have Dallas this week, and then they have Seattle next week. And I, I really don't think that they're going to be in the playoff picture. I don't, it makes okay. me sad, but we're, we'll see. I hope football gods, John Madden, you're up there. Prove me wrong, buddy. Um, we got bills over the Falcons. That should be an easy pick for anybody keeping track at home. The score though is a 14.5 favor for the bills. And wow. I don't know if they're going to cover that. Uh, bills are good. Falcons aren't great, but 14.5 points. That's so, a huge spread. Yeah. So I'm going to double it on this one. I'm going to go bills victory, but Falcons to cover. Okay. Right, so I can win twenty, or I can lose it all. Um, all right. <laughs> then we're gonna get into our college bowl games, and as much as it hurts me to say this, um, this is where I'm gonna go a little bit rogue. I know I sent you my picks earlier, but after our discussion, I'm picking Mich- I'm picking Georgia over Michigan. I'm picking Cincy over Alabama. I know I had it the other way around um, when I sent them to you, but we're changing it up here at the all podcast. Right. Breaking news at 1:59 p.m. We're gonna go with. <laughs> Georgia over Michigan. We're going to go Cincy over Alabama for a Cincy, or I'm sorry, we're going to go Michigan over Georgia and Cincy over Alabama for a Michigan Cincy uh, college football championship game. I got two so hold more on picks. A second. I think yeah. I heard you wrong there. You're taking Michigan over Georgia or Michigan, Georgia over Michigan. Nope, Michigan over Georgia. I'm going against okay. the SEC. Going with right, with right. with the Joel against the SEC. I got you. 
All right, and then we got uh, Utah versus the Ohio State, and I want the yes. Ohio State to lose the game again. So okay. we're going to pick Utah, even though OSU is favored by four. We're going to pick Utah to cover that one. And then lastly is the Las Vegas Bowl, the Bowl of Bowls. Some say the second runner-up to the college football playoffs where the Arizona State Sun Devils will be taking on the Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin is favored by six, but Arizona is going to pull it out. Why? Because I work here, they pay the checks, and they make me say it. So (laughs) those are my picks for the week. Hopefully I only lose on the ASU pick, but we'll see how it all shakes out by next week. Hey, you're putting your money where your mouth is. It'll make these games interesting. So, hey, have a great uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's celebration, which I know is going to mean watching a lot of football and eating a lot of leftover Christmas candy and cookies. Apparently, you have a lot of work to do. So, hey, Chris, thanks for joining us this week. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. All right. Happy New Year, guys. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. <laughs>